Welcome to Plowing Through Brexit, Farmers Guardian's Brexit podcast. Hello and welcome to the Farmers Guardian Plowing Through Brexit podcast with me, Will Evans. And me, Abby Kay. Today we're very lucky to have two great guests with us to talk all things trade. And since we're recording hot off the heels of NFU conference, it wouldn't be right if we didn't have the uh, battle winning lady herself. President Minette Batters, join us today. Hi, Minette. I hope you've uh, managed to come to terms with all the compliments Mr. Gow showered upon you this week. <laughs> Hi, Abby. All the warm words. <laughs> <laughs> and our uh, second guest is David Hennig, UK Director of the European Centre for International Political Economy. He has first-hand experience of actually negotiating trade deals, so we're really happy to have him share his perspective on what's happening at the moment. Hello, David, and welcome to the show. Thank you. I'll give it a go. Well, guys, I think there's only one place we can realistically start today. There are just 35 days left before we leave the EU, and there's a real possibility we could actually end up leaving without a deal. Um, With that in mind, DEFRA Secretary Michael Gove told the NFU conference this week that he intends to protect a number of products like sheep meat, beef, poultry, dairy products and pig meat with tariffs if we do end up in a no-deal scenario. Minette, obviously this is a big win for the UK farming industry, but are you concerned Mr Gove didn't offer similar assurances for the cereals, sugar and horticulture sectors? Absolutely, Abby. I mean, we've been saying all along, you know, it is just as important for those sectors and indeed um, every sector is underpinned by a vibrant arable sector so, you know, we've made this this case consistently. We're looking at, at what mitigation method, methods could be um, put in place um, and, and continually, yeah, having that conversation with DEFRA and officials about w- what this could look like. But, you know, it's not guaranteed actually what the tariff schedule is going to look like. They publish it on Monday. So, you know, we'll wait to see, really. Uh, and David, this tariff announcement, is there a possibility it could be undone by the practicalities on the ground? Um, DEFRA has already said the UK won't check any U- EU food imports in a no-deal scenario, presumably because the capacity just isn't there. But doesn't that mean there will be problems in actually applying any tariffs or quotas? Well, I've tried to use, avoid using the word chaos about no-deal in, <laughs> in the past. I can't see how this cannot be chaos. So we don't actually know right now. Five weeks to go, is there going to be a quota or not for, for EU imports for our exports to the uh, to, to the EU? What's going, what the quota is going to be? How the quota is going to operate? Where, where, where we're going to check anything? What's going to happen to goods that crisscross the Irish border, which happens quite 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 a, quite a lot? And one official I spoke to this week said that they were spending more time actually um, talking to ministers about what they should say in the media rather than actually spending time doing no-deal planning. And if that doesn't worry you even more, then it it, it, prob- it probably should. So, um, yeah, take, putting this whole system, and it's not, we may not even get the announcement on Monday. We, you know, we're told that the, we're close and the decision is about to be made, but... This wouldn't be be, the first time this government had delayed something again and again. So (laughs) will we even get it on Monday? We hope so. Some serious grounds for optimism there. (laughs) (laughs) These these kinds of problems, though. Couldn't couldn't they have been ironed out if the government had actually openly and publicly consulted on this? I mean, Minette, I assume the NFU has been feeding into these discussions behind closed doors. Well, Abby, as I, I made clear at the conference, I mean, 
from day one, our line has been that, you know, we cannot have a no deal situation. And, and that remains our, our sort of resolute position. You know, we have to have an orderly departure. Um, you know, no deal is, is catastrophic on many levels. And I think David just highlighted, you know, the, the total chaos that this is, that there's lack of agreement going forwards. I think Michael Gove has has made a, a sort of very much a single-handed strong attempt to make sure that agriculture uh, has some protection. It's not supported by others in the cabinet. Um, and it, it absolutely reaffirms our views that a no-deal uh, departure w- would be disastrous and we have to leave in an orderly manner. Yeah. yeah. David, are you concerned that these big policy decisions are being made in quite a secretive way? Yes. But I will say that tariffs, agricultural tariffs, normally are set in, uh, in, in, in secret. A lot of people have a lot of interest in, uh, in tariffs, mm. in removing them, in, in, uh, in having them. All sorts of people uh, make, re- make representations. So at the end of the day, the people who make the final decision aren't going to do that in secret, and they're going to be hopefully pouring over those several hundred pages of tariffs, and sometimes you're happy not to be involved given they've got these several hundred pages. <laughs> but what, what worries me is that given, given that it, you have to do the final setting in secret, some people will always be upset because they will be because you know there's there's perhaps people from other countries who want to uh, who who want to uh, send more to the UK or there are people in this country who are going to be upset if it's not quite what they want or they're not going to get the the supplies in that they want. You better make sure that you've done enough consultation to make sure that a large enough people a number of people are happy with the result. Otherwise, you're going to get a political storm. Now, this government's not been very good at consultation. I know there's been some. Uh, about these tariffs, but are we confident that when this announcement comes out, there are going to be more people happy with it than unhappy with it? Mm. I'm not completely sure. No, no, it does seem to be the season for political storms at the moment. Okay, then let's uh, let's move away from a no deal situation and look at what could happen in this area if we do end up getting a deal with the EU. Uh, Gove said at the NFU conference that the tariffs which would be applied in a no deal scenario won't be permanent and aren't the preferred option. David, if the UK gets a deal with the EU, do you think ministers will try to liberalise agricultural trade in the longer term? They definitely want to say that they want to liberalise trade, yes, mm. because that sounds good. Um, and they've said that quite consistently. Um, but it's really difficult to do, because if you consider the farmers, if you consider the producers of processed food, who are frankly often forgotten, but they tell me they want strong relations with UK farmers and they value knowing where their products are coming from, consumers of diff- who will have different views, trade partners, developing countries with zero tariffs, this is a complex business. And my guess is that if we get a deal, this extreme complexity is all going to be put in a too difficult box, and quite and quietly, sort of, uh, you know, one or two officials will will quietly work work away with it, while ministers will make speeches about how liberal we're going to be. But you know, it'll it'll all be it'll all be held in uh, in, in the background. Perhaps perhaps there might be a uh, a, a commission on it or a committee or or, or, or some such. Um, I don't know whether that will be good news or bad news for people listening, but yeah, yeah I, we never hear about just how complex this is. How many people have an interest mm. in it? Mm. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned the commission, David, because um, one other thing to come out of the NFU conference was Gove's agreement to consider setting up a new trade and food commission to look at how future trade deals should be scrutinised by industry and parliament. Minette, do you envisage this being a UK-wide body which will look at how the devolved nations should be involved in this discussion as well? 
Oh, Abby, absolutely. I mean, it, look, it's critical that it's UK-wide. Um, you know, we're in grave danger of ending up with more complexity between the UK four than we had mm. uh, with the European mm. member states. So absolutely vital this is UK-wide. Um, and, you know, we, we have to flush this out. It's very um, much the reason why I pushed Michael Gove, yes or no, will you put it in writing? And, and he did uh, commit to yes before the 29th of March. He would put it in writing. But this isn't just about food safety. This is about animal welfare. And this is about environmental protection. Uh, and so often ministers are just making the case about food safety issues. You know, you have to look at stocking densities. You have to look at all the rules and regs that we have in this country and food potentially being imported that would be illegal to produce here. So that's why we've asked for the commission. Um, and that's why I absolutely wanted to force his Michael Gove's hand uh, to make sure that we get a commitment for this before we leave. Otherwise, you know, in many cases, totally brine Brexit. Uh, and the standards piece is absolutely critical to our farming future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You mentioned that, that there's um, a danger that the four nations of the UK could diverge more greatly in future. That seems to me to be a key problem as we move forward in um, making sure that the UK has a coherent and trade policy. Uh, so it's my understanding that the Scottish government, for example, they're not too enthusiastic about gene editing. So isn't it possible that Scotland could seek to block trade in gene edited crops and livestock in future? Minute. Look, I think, I think there's a, a long way to go before we get to that stage. Indeed, we've got to agree. I mean, I think many people think the 29th of March, um, actually, that is the day we move on. That is the day potentially when all of this starts. So it is about signing the withdrawal agreement at the moment. Uh, the future economic relationship, the future trading relationship yet to be agreed. Um, you know, we have to decide, and probably at the next election, what our relationship is going to be with Europe, whether it is going to be a close, uh, free and frictionless trading relationship or whether it is going to be more different. That's still, to a certain extent, undefined um, and will very much uh, depend on whether Parliament comes together and gets behind uh, the Prime Minister's package. But one thing I've been adamant about from day one is that the UK four British farmers have to stick together uh, and we really have to be united on what the future should look like. Okay, David, can I bring you in here? One of the other things the NFU would like the Trade Commission to do is look for ways to ensure food imports meet the same production standards as domestically produced food. But Farming Minister George Eustace has said forcing imports to meet exactly the same standards is not the right route to go down because it should be possible to recognise equivalence. What are your thoughts on how our domestic production standards can best be protected after Brexit? Look, it's a really tricky issue in trade because the the, the often mentioned WTO rules are actually a bit uh, stringent in this area. Mm-hmm. And they say that you can't uh, di- discriminate on, var- on, in, in, on, va- on various grounds um, and it's, it can be quite tricky to stop, to stop trade, even when production standards are different. I've, I've been having a discussion for the last few hours with one of New Zealand's uh, lead negotiators on this uh, through the power of, of social media. So it's really tricky because we know that consumers want really good, good quality. They care about animal welfare. And yet it's tricky to find how um, you can do that well within the existing rules therefore i think it's a great idea to actually include that within a trade and food commission mm-hmm. to to really see what what it is that we can do what it is that that consumers will want will best support farmers 
the, f- the food industry, etc. Et and also, before we go into discussions, which are going to be pretty div- divisive about, are we going to have a U.S. trade deal? Um, I- I'm finding that chlorinated chicken is becoming uh, increasingly known around the uh, around the country. When I say to people, <laughs> I work in trade, they, they say chlorinated chicken, which I'm not sure is the word association I really want, but I guess it gets the issue out there. Yeah. Well, it's good that... Um, I- is at the forefront of those discussions, although perhaps chlorinated chicken isn't the best example because people think it's a food safety issue when it's probably not really. Um, right. Well, very quickly, because we are running out of time, a little bit like the government. Minette, <laughs> what happens if the Ag Bill isn't passed by March 29th? Because this bill gives ministers the power to make payments to farmers after Brexit, but it seems to have fallen down a legislative black hole. And I know the world's planning to give it a bit of a kicking so is there a real danger here that the government might not actually be able to pay farmers at all if this bill doesn't pass in time um look i think it's really interesting and i I think it's very clear now that the agricultural bill has been delayed uh it's yet to get into the house of lords and of course it has started journey back through the commons so uh, i think it's going to be summer potentially autumn before it is in um and of course you know this government has committed um, that they will honour um, the payments as they are at the moment for the term of this parliament. So we're, we're not too concerned, uh, Abby, about the continuation because there's been a, a strong commitment to do that. But of course, you know, changes in legislation, the Agriculture Bill is the most seismic change in, in legislation for our industry that we will have seen uh, indeed since we joined the EU. Um, and it has some critical amendments that we feel have to be part of it food production thing on the face of the bill being won because at the moment you could spend the monies uh, on anything a future secretary of state so chose mm-hmm. the standards piece the multi-annual budget none of that is in there so for us as it goes into the lords that's a critical journey um and we are really hopeful but those three amendments many others important too but those three amendments um we feel are very very important mm. so then david uh, the question on everyone's lips, can we expect an extension to Article 50 to allow all this crucial Brexit legislation to get through? Yes. Um, <laughs> the, the meaningful vote... <laughs> no, I'm going to be definite on that. The meaningful vote is actually not the final act in this hmm. drama. The meaningful vote has to be followed by a uh, an implementation bill, mm-hmm. which actually puts the, mean, the, yeah. uh, the treaty well, into I mean- UK law. That's yeah. going to take time to so, get through Parliament. You can't just say that's going to happen in a in a day. What do you think will happen next week then, David, in Parliament? There are there are increasing number of people saying that they think that an amendment will pass next week to say that um, in the event of no meaningful vote having passed by, I don't know within within a, within a week that the government will have to ask for a three-month extension. Uh, I don't know whether that will happen, but that seems the most likely is that we will find out within the next couple of weeks that we are definitely looking for a three-month extension. Um, Maybe not next week, maybe the week after, but soon, hopefully, we will have a little bit more knowledge about what is actually going to happen. Okay. Well, sadly, I think we'll have to leave it there for today. Thank you both, Manette and David, very much for taking the time out of your busy schedules to speak to us. And an extra special thank you to my co-host for not following the 
nude Brexit debating tradition of Victoria Bateman and Rachel <laughs> Johnson. <laughs> I am very happy to confirm to all of our listeners that he's decided not to terrify the Brexit locals and is in fact still wearing all of his clothes. <laughs> I told you the sun was shining up here, Abby, so I'm not sure how you know that. <laughs> and uh, to everyone listening... Go on, sorry, it's getting warmer. You never know what might happen. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm leaving it there. And to everyone listening, thank you. And keep your eyes peeled for the next Farmer's Guardian Plowing Through Brexit podcast, which will be out in March, Brexit month or not, as the case may be. Uh, in the meantime, you can keep up with all the daily political goings on and how they're affecting agriculture on Farmer's Guardian's Brexit hub at www.fginsight.com forward slash Brexit.